Welcome to C-Suite Radio. Welcome to another episode of the Open Mic Podcast. Excellent! With your host, Brad Allen. Well, isn't that extra special? Recorded live at Bay Area Studios. Join Brett each week as he interviews celebrities, influencers, authors, high-level entrepreneurs, and much more. At the open mic, no topic is off limits. Giddy up. And you never know who may stop by. Now, here's your host, Brett Allen. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Open Mic Podcast. It's your host, Brett Allen, coming at you live from the Bay Area Studios. And on the podcast today... We have a very special guest. We are talking with Ashley from A&E 60 Days In Season 6. And I am excited for you to check out this interview. She is amazing. She's a law enforcement officer. She's a veteran. And we had a really fun and exciting conversation about this reality show and just the ins and outs of it. It was just the best. And I think you're really going to enjoy it. We get some fun stories about the show and just her experiences and how it all started out for her. Thanks for listening. We have amazing episodes coming down the pike, but for now, let's bring Ashley on the line. Ashley, welcome into the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. I really like your podcast. So Thank you. I'm just excited that you even wanted to talk to me. <laughs> well, I did. And for those who are just tuning in, as we mentioned in the intro to the show, we are talking with Ashley from 60 Days In Season 6 on A&E, and I actually came across this television show, quite honestly, by happenstance. I was on Netflix, and they're, like, suggesting different things to watch, and I like these types of shows. I like reality television in general, but I feel like this is a little bit different than your typical reality show that we might be familiar with, or the listener might be familiar with, because it's different, because it takes not just celebrities or influencers or whatever the case might be, but actual individuals from America, the United States, and thwarts them, so to speak, into jail. <laughs> That's really the summation of it. And so when I watched the season, I think it was five, perhaps, on Netflix or six, I think, or season five, I was, it was like, five. oh my God, is there any more of this? So I jumped over to Hulu and I was like, I have to watch this. And I came upon your season and in the long and short of it is over the course of a few weeks, I've watched every season from tip to tail and all the seasons are varying and different. I think from season one to the first couple seasons, it just kind of seemed different. The vibe is different. And then when they got to your season and above, maybe even four, you almost had kind of a, a, a recipe as far as how they were going to do it and how the show takes place. So the big question I have to ask is how did you even find out about this and what prompted you to want to be a part of it? So I am a big A&E fan. I'll watch anything that A&E puts out. Um, so when season one came out, I was already like, I watched that in real time. There was no like finding it for me. It was already on my ready to watch list. So I started with season one and then after season four, I was like, you know what? I'm going to do some digging. I'm really good at Google. I'm going to figure out who does this, you know, program. So I ended up finding, um, it was lucky eight is the, um, they're the ones who produce it and everything. So I was, I sent them an email 
and said, hi, this show's cool. I would like to be on it. Never in a million years, never in a million years did I think that they would be like, okay, bet. Let's, let's see what you're made of. And they actually emailed me back. And I sent that email probably, oh my gosh, um, August, July or August of 2018. And by November, I started emailing back and forth with them. I just thought it was funny. And they were like, let's, you know, let's interview you through Skype and see, you know, what you look like, what you act like, answer some questions. I thought it was funny. So I just kept interviewing with them. And then uh, I accidentally found myself on a plane in Alabama. And I'm just kind of like, oh, oops, looks like I accidentally got on the show. (laughs) Get what you wish for, I guess. Is this an actual, would you define this as reality television or would this be more like a documentary, so to speak, if that makes any sense? This is 100% a documentary. Okay. This is not, this is not reality TV. I mean, it's real. What you're watching is real, but there is no scenarios. There's no situations that they put you in. It's pretty much they walk you to the front door and drop you off. And everything else is circumstance. It's they have zero to do with anything once you get in there. Interesting. So you started Googling, came across mm-hmm. the production company. Mm-hmm. Fast forward, however much later, you're cast on this show 60 Days In. And for people who don't know what this is, you have to watch this. You have to watch Ashley's season because... She's with us on the podcast, which I think was the best, to be honest, out of all of them. The most entertaining, so to speak. Like she said, they basically put participants in prison, in jail. And the idea is for them to sort of get a feel or an idea of what's happening in the system to help better the program and sort of thrust it forward, right? That's the idea, in a Mm -hmm. sense, to be able to get that. Is that a correct assumption? Yes. So um, if, if you look at each of the seasons, they each have, with the exception of season five, each jail has something significant, some significant change. They've got um, new leadership or they've um, redefined how they train their officers. Some, something significant has happened to warrant this type of investigation. It's not just you hop into any random jail in America. It's, it's the jails that need it. Um, in my particular season, Etowah County is known and very famously as the corrupt sheriff who stole $750,000 of worth of money from the food budget. And he did so legally due to an outdated Alabama law. Back in the day, long story short, um, the jail used to be at the sheriff's house. Oh, wow. So the, yes. So the law in Alabama was that um, the sheriff has paid the food budget and then feeds the inmates. So the previous sheriff lawfully embezzled this money and used it to buy a beach house in Orange Beach, Alabama. Oh yeah, Google it. Google the whole story. It's it's wow, absolutely that's crazy. That's the scoop from Ashley. Yes. Holy cow. See, I didn't yes. know that. Even in researching the show, I had no idea that that was even the case. So he did yes. this legitimately, right? Yes. It was it was very legal and very frowned upon. Um the inmates were getting fed like expired nasty food. And that's from the inmates like themselves telling me about it. Like when I was in there, I asked all kinds of questions and they 
I mean, they filled me in. His name was Todd Intrican. Um, just if you Google the name Todd Intrican, it'll pop up very quickly. The whole history of Alabama. I believe the law got changed this last uh, election <laughs> to where the sheriff is no longer paid the food budget for the year for the jail. But it That's was interesting. Yeah. So the new sheriff comes in and the jail is in shambles. I mean, as you can see, all the locks are popped on the doors. It's like an absolute madhouse in there. There's no rules. It's just lock them up and hope, hope you don't die. Uh, good luck to you. Um, wow. Until Sheriff Horton took over and changed it. It and is the was, roughest jail. That was a highly contested election too, right? That was a big deal yes. uh, for him to get in and that sort of thing. Again, for our listeners who are just tuning in, who aren't aware, and we don't necessarily have to talk about specifically, but you're a law enforcement officer. So thank you yes. for your service. You're a veteran. Again, yes. thank you for that. I'm a veteran myself. And that was the other thing that sort of intrigued me a little bit. I am a veteran, but I don't necessarily know that I would have the mental capacity <laughs> to jump into a jail scenario. I did a lot. I was a cop in the Air Force. And so I did it. I carried a dog. I did all of it, but I don't necessarily know that I would have the mental fortitude, so to speak, to be able to do exactly what you did. So we, mm-hmm. we've kind of covered a little bit here. You, uh, you applied, you went through some interviews. I'm sure there's probably some psych evaluations. Oh, a lot, yes. A lot of different things, which is pretty typical for this type of programming because they want to make sure that mm-hmm. you're not going to snap. Uh, like mm-hmm. some people have done in seasons prior to yours where they get locked up in solitary. I, I'm sure you saw that season. I think his name was Robert. This guy. Oh, he's awful. Put in solitary, which I was kind of surprised. It seems like in the first couple seasons, two and three, they don't want them trying to elicit things or get into things, but your season on up, is it correct in understanding that Obviously, they don't want you to break any rules, but they do want you to perhaps maybe try and get involved as far as like finding out where drugs are coming from or who's clicking up and that sort of thing. Is that is that a correct assumption? Sort of. So our our sheriff pretty much knew where the drugs were coming from. So when what. The majority of them were coming in, obviously, through inmates. They weren't being properly searched during bookend. Another way was through phishing. I don't know if you remember the opening um, episode. Like, they had, the inmates had broken some windows, and they would throw um, lines out, and they'd, you know, give them drugs that way. So, I mean, it was just a free-for-all. There was no secret um, discovery of how the drugs were coming in. Um, I learned some things that have benefited me in my career, like... Um, Sports bras have little pockets in them and you can, you know, put drugs in there. So that's a way that people, they'll leave and then they'll get public intoxicated charges or whatever, get arrested for the night or come back in on traffic warrants. Um, They just, that's how they make their money. They'll leave jail and then come back in jail temporarily, get bonded out, leave, come back, bring more drugs in. So, I mean, it's, those things aren't secrets. What we were more concerned about is what else does the sheriff need to fix? What else is going on? Is there more corruption with the staff? Is there a new way that through all the damage that they're hiding weapons? Like what, what can you tell me that I don't already know? So it was never a mission to find drugs and stop drugs coming in. Cause you'll never be able to do that. There's always going to be a new creative way 
And it's, I mean, to, to be blunt, it's, I mean, it's very difficult to search everybody's, you know, prison wallets, so to speak. Um, <laughs> For those I mean, of you who don't know what that is, just Google it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm going to be, I'm going to be polite yet bold. Um, it's, I mean, not every person, not every person does the squat and cough. You know, it's, um, there's not enough time. There's not enough staff. So it was, it was more so help me. Um, we are drowning and trying to get this thing up and running again. Help me fill in the cracks. So interesting. So interesting. So what an experience for you. This had to have been emotionally, mentally, physically, just on and on and on being a law enforcement officer. And you share this a lot in your talking heads where they interview you and things like that, the emotional stress and all of these types of things. And, and to be honest, my hat's off to you for doing this because again, as much as I like to watch this stuff, I think we talked about this a little bit in texting. <laughs> it's like watching a train wreck or a car wreck and you're like, I shouldn't be doing this. But my God, it's just episode after episode and you're like, another season has passed and it's crazy what happens on the show. I want to take a couple steps back and talk about once you got accepted to the program, so to speak, and you had decided that you're going to do this. Now you have to let your department know, hey, I'm going (laughs) to be on this show. And, And I know that law enforcement in general likes to have a very positive and public presence, but there's other things too that I think go into that. In a nutshell, really, kind of what was that experience like for you when you had to tell your sergeant or your commander, I'm volunteering to go to jail? So I probably had to tell more people that I was doing this show than anybody else previously. Like most of the time, you only tell one or two person. I know I had, I was still in the military at the time. So I had to tell my first sergeant, my commander, my platoon sergeant. And then on the police side, I had to tell my chief of police. I buy, I completely bypassed my sergeant. I still feel bad about that, but I just went straight to the chief. And then he in turn made us tell the city manager who had to tell the mayor. So that's six people. Then I had to tell my now ex-husband my mother, my sister, nine people, my dad, my grandpa. Yeah, there's a lot of loose ends. Everybody knew. Everybody knew. There was no secret about me going. But It's also a thing, though, where you probably have to tell them to talk about this while this is happening. Yeah. They all had to sign waivers, and they, had to, okay. they all had to sign NDAs. They all had to do all that. Wow. So, like, that's a lot of people to know that you're taking this leap, and you're mm-hmm. going on this television show. And you're going to jail for 60 days. Some people in the past, Nate, who recently passed away, I think he was in for like three and a half, four months before they all had to get extricated for various Mm -hmm. reasons, which is crazy. A lot of drama, a lot of insane things happen during your season as we watched this unfurl in front of our eyes going, oh my God, I can't believe this is actually happening. Somebody volunteered to go to jail Mm -hmm. And you share a lot about this in the episode, but I want to just talk about maybe one or two experiences for you as far as how it was just kind of adjusting and dealing with being transported into a world which you were somewhat familiar with as you 
arrest people who break the laws and you book them and put them in jail. And now the tables are turned and that is being done to you. Kind of take us back a little bit and just share some things that maybe stand out to you, Ashley, that kind of maybe changed you or if, if anything like that. The biggest thing that changed for me, um, I mean, I haven't stopped taking people to jail. There's not, there hasn't been some big epiphany where I'm like, oh, I could never do that to anybody else. Well, I mean, if you break the law, you're going to jail. And I, I still stand by that. Um, however, the way I arrest people is a lot different. There's, for example, the ride from my city to the jail is probably anywhere from 10 to 15 minutes. If someone's cooperative, there's no reason that they can't make phone calls in the patrol car on the way to the jail. Uh, the, the number form, I'll put them on speakerphone, let them make all the calls they need to make, and I monitor it just to make sure it's safe. Um, if I arrest them during mealtime and they miss they miss the meal, I always make sure that they at least get a Johnny's sack, get some food. Like I've, there are there are ways to arrest people while still taking care of them. Humanize. You can you yeah you don't always have to impound the car. You can wait the extra few minutes and try to get somebody to show up and, you know, pick up the car for them. It's it, it the experience is always dictated by the situation. I mean, if someone's got a bad attitude and, and they're wanting to fight, obviously there's there's no way I can, you know, safely help them, you know. But if someone's just a normal everyday person, as most people are, who have made a mistake or get caught up in something stupid, you know, it's not not everybody who goes to jail is bad and they don't need to be treated. I know what's going to happen when they get in the jail and I can't save the whole entire world, but I can try to make their experience a lot easier and start helping them get, get that job called. Let them know you're not going to make it. Let the, let your mom know you're not going to be able to pick up the kids. Like there, I mean, there's so many little things you can do to ease their transition from civilian life to inmate life. So humanizing them a little bit and realizing, yeah, they may have made a poor choice, but let's try and make this a little bit better for you, even down to perhaps maybe whether it's something that somebody should be cited for versus being arrested for. Is there a lot of gray area in that? This is just more of a curiosity side than anything else. I mean, clearly, if there is a major infraction and they have to be arrested, then you arrest them, but maybe something that is a little bit gray area-ish, whatever that, I've never been arrested, so I don't know. I tend to not operate in, in gray areas just because that leads to the potential for someone thinking that there's a bias of some sort. Sure. So I, I have my standards on every single call, just, just like with every traffic stop. It's, I don't care who you are, what your situation is. If you don't have insurance, you're getting a ticket. Um, if, if you speed, if it's over like, I'm just going to throw a number out there. This is not the number, but if it's 12 miles an hour over, you're automatically getting a ticket. I don't care if you're grandma. Like I, I try to, I make it fair and equal for every single person I encounter as far as arrests go and citations go. Um, it's just the experience and how I handle it that changes. I, and I've been like that my whole career. I was taught that by my sergeant who was my FTO seven years ago you know, it's, this is, this is how we do it. This is the right way to do it. And I've, and I've, you know, adopted that style and I've not changed on that at all. So I, I try very hard to stay away from gray areas. Um, I'll cut people breaks when I can, if it's something I can cut a break on, but as far as like arrests and citations, I have things I won't budge on 100%. just to keep it fair. 
Right. And especially with the light that law enforcement has been put in in the last six months to a year, 2020, it's very important to maintain those things, I would imagine, and just really keep it straight and forward. Now, I want to sidetrack a little bit here. When I was promoting this episode ahead of time, mm-hmm. <laughs> you commented on social media. You had a funny story about God, I hate that picture. That, well, if you want to send me something else, I'll change it. <laughs> I felt bad. I was like, oh, great. Now we're starting off on the wrong foot. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's the worst picture ever. So I, oh, man, I swore I'd never tell the story, but I'll do it. I'll do it for you. I hear that all the so, time from everybody <laughs> that I talk to, and then they wind up sharing it. So you're in good company. So that press photo was taken the day after we filmed the reunion episode. Okay. And, um, Ooh. So we all, yes. So we all get together after the reunion and almost all of us go out to eat and we're in New York and I link up with Donovan, who's also a cop and Jen and who else was there? Dennis, Tony, Vanessa, Matt, maybe I think Matt came out the next day, but there was a Shanice came out. Yeah. So we were all hanging out you know, in downtown New York city, it's my favorite city in the world. So I'm having the time of my life and Donovan, you know, he's like, Oh, let's all drink. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm not much of a drinker. I cannot handle alcohol to save my life. Um, I've just, I've never liked it. I've never liked the feeling of being drunk or anything like that, but you know, I'm in New York. I don't have any responsibilities. I'm just trying to have a good time. So I'm, (laughs) you're going to make fun of me. I drank uh, six Michelob Ultras, just six, okay? And, and I'm dying. So that whole, the night before the reunion, I was so scared because I did not want to see myself on TV. You know, what I experienced was really traumatic for me. I already knew I was going to cry. I didn't, I didn't want to film the reunion. I really didn't want to go, honestly. I didn't want to go. Um, but, you know, I, I did it and I couldn't sleep. So I was up all night. And then the next day, um, the PA, like the, um, the assistant is like, is there anything I can get for you? And I told him just Red Bull and bangs, give me as many energy drinks as possible and, um, cigarettes because I'm stressed. So (laughs) I've just flown across the country. I haven't slept. I'm slamming energy drinks and chain smoking cigarettes which by the way, I'm coming up on my one year anniversary of no cigarettes. So yay, yay to me. Yay to me. I swore after the reunion, I'd quit, which I did. So, um, so I'm, I'm doing very unhealthy stuff. Then I go out and I have just six Michelob ultras. And the next day I wake up and I am dead. I am a dead person. I'm not coming back. I'm planning my funeral. Like I'm done. Um, but little, little fun fact, um, New York city has a mobile like nursing IV place thing. Oh yeah. So, so I called and I had an IV delivered to my hotel room. So there I am laying on the floor in New York. I've already called the production company and I'm crying and I'm like, I can't stop puking. I'm going to die, but I've got an IV coming. And, um, (laughs) this angel walked in to my hotel room door and hooked me up with, um, a liter of fluid and then shot me up with Toradol, B12. Um, what's the stuff that makes you stop vomiting? Zofran. Yes. Um, like all a cocktail of all the good stuff. And I immediately felt amazing. 
Um, and then I walked to A&E Studios and my face is swollen. I have busted blood vessels around my eyes because I, I couldn't stop vomiting. And I just made myself so sick. I, I don't know if I would call it so much as a hangover as much as like um, like an emotional dump of all the emotions of the day before and the energy drinks, no water, the pizza, the beer, the cigarettes, just horrible, horrible mistakes. Um, and then I had to get my picture taken. So that's every time I see that picture. I thought you were just like trying to be a badass, but now we know. No, no, I am a dead soul. If you look into my eyes, you see that my soul has left my body and I am a dead person just standing there. And, um, and that's, that's the story behind the word, how the worst picture ever taken of me is now memorialized on A&E for forever. (laughs) How long from when you filmed the show to time it aired how long was the time frame so i went into jail sometime during april of 2019 i got out of jail sometime june of 2019 and that was my phase um i don't know too much about the second phase but i know they were only 30 days and i believe they went in beginning of october and got out end of october beginning of november somewhere around there and then december um 19th 20th of 2019 is when we filmed the reunion would you do it again um I would only if I had different information so when I when I went in I'm a I'm a researcher and I went into Etowah County very unprepared I did not know that I was going to Etowah County until Sheriff Jonathan Horton walked into the room we were two hours away um in Birmingham just hanging out I didn't know where we were going we could have gone to Georgia could have gone to Mississippi, Alabama. We didn't oh, know. Wow. Okay. Um, so we were, they just picked Birmingham, Alabama as the place we landed. And this is the first time I'd ever, they'd ever done that. Everybody else had always known where they were going. So I find out and I'm like, okay, cool. I can do my research when I get back to the hotel room. Oh, and that night Avengers Endgame came out. So I had tickets to go see Endgame. Um, and then they surprised me and said, oh, so we're going to put somebody in jail right now and it's you, Ashley. I had tickets to Endgame. That's that's what I was thinking. I was like, oh, man, I wanted to see the last Avengers movie before I went in. So you didn't oh, know. <laughs> <laughs> Great movie. You, so you didn't know yeah. where you were going. You didn't know when. You just knew we need you here at this time. You're prepped and ready to go. In the previous seasons, one, two, and three, I think, they didn't even meet each other, really. They just kind of got submerged into the system. You guys actually met each other all before you went in and things like that. Yes. Now it's a little fun fact that you do keep in touch with some of these other folks. Mark. Oh yeah. Which mm-hmm. I I've been trying forever to get him and he finally accepted my friend request on Facebook and he's like, let's do it. You guys have a podcast or a YouTube channel that you do, correct? Is, it's, is that- it's both. Okay. Yes. It's Awkward Fist Bump Productions. Clearly, that was Mark's idea. Um, I, I love it. Mark is probably one of my closest friends. And, um, I mean, we, we just clicked immediately. Like, our, I, I mean, he's coming to my wedding next year. Like, he and I are really good friends. And he started the idea for this YouTube channel based off his brother-in-law, Justin, who is also on our show, who was um, incarcerated 10 years for an armed robbery. The three of us host the show and we interview all the 60 Days and guests and have a great time doing it. 
And it's a lot of fun. Awkward Fist Bump Productions. We're on YouTube and we're on, uh, I think you can look us up through any podcast channel. You had Sheriff Lamb, which is the best. Yes, uh, I love that man. Yeah, he's not doing any press for the rest of the year because I tried to get him and they're like, reach Aww. out to us next year. That's all right. I hear no all the time. <laughs> so I want to switch gears a little bit here and go into the idea of you're in prison. This is being filmed. There's cameras in the jail. People obviously were kind of starting to figure things out a mm-hmm. little bit or from what we saw as the viewer because it's like, okay, you know, you remember the reality show Undercover Boss back in the day? Yes. Whereas, yes. Okay. So the first few seasons, and then they did Undercover Celebrity, which was, I think, much better. But in any case, I digress. Mm-hmm. Undercover Boss, you see cameras show up. People are like, oh, what is this? We're recording a documentary about so-and-so. But this is a little bit different. And I think eventually people start to get it. We're obviously seeing you're in prison for 60 days, 24 Mm -hmm. hours, time is flying by. There's stuff that we're not seeing as the viewer, so to speak. So we don't know what's being added, edited, and that sort of thing. Do you feel, though, as a whole, from what we got in your season, that you were portrayed fairly as far as who you are as a human being and individual did they try and victimize i don't want to say victimize but what's the word i'm trying to use kind of Um, paint you in a light maybe than what you really were because you said i'm not going to cry and then all of a sudden you're crying and then they kind of honed in on that sort of thing like does the question make sense like did they you feel like yes when people watch this i get the feeling the answer is yes you know when i'm talking to you we connected instantly. We had chemistry. You said, let's do mm-hmm. it. I feel like I'm talking to the same person that I saw on television. You are. I. There was nothing that was shown on TV that I'm ever going to deny or say that that that's not me talking or that's the word spliced together. Like, no, that's um, what you saw was 100% a representation of me. And I feel that's and uh, some of the other participants will disagree with me on this, but you know, you can go in there being whoever you think you want to be, but when you're in jail and you're filmed 24 seven and you are vulnerable and you're scared, I don't care who you are. You are scared when you go to jail for the first time. I promise nobody is that brave. Tony will even tell you he was scared too. And I mean, it's when, when you go in there, you're stripped down to the whole entire core of who you are as a person. And, um, you may not like the person you see on TV, but that's, I mean, that's who you are. And, um, there's no, the person you saw on TV is me. Every, everything I did, even, even the stupid stuff is stupid stuff that I did, you know? Um, but it's, I mean, it's very accurate. It's very true to what happened. Um, the only thing that's a little bit different is, um, when I was writing that grievance against Miss Williams and everybody's like, Oh, that sounds like cop talk. Well, they had, the only thing that got edited is they had asked me since I was in the military, how do you write a complaint to get, to grab attention? Cause they said, here, write a complaint. Oh yeah, I remember that. I forgot. Yes. About, like, and, um, so I was, yeah, so I was explaining to them like, okay, well in the military, whenever you do any report, you want to put the date, the time and the reason that's the most important thing. I said, if, if they're watching cameras and stuff, we want to know the date it happened, the time it happened and what happened. So I read them what I had written and then I helped them write theirs. So we put in like 10, 15 different grievances against Miss Williams and she got put on leave. 
So, I mean, it was, that's the only thing that kind of was a little bit different, but me, me looking at the camera and saying, I love this. That was my own dumb ass. Like that, that was not something special or edited. I, I did that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. You know, it's, it is what it is. Another interesting question. Do people recognize you when you see them out in public or even if you're stopping somebody, do they go, Oh, you're on that reality show or is it just kind of like business? Oh, yes. Yes. And I will tell you my favorite interaction, which is still so hilarious. So my husband is um, a deputy in the County that I'm a city police officer in. And one night we were working together and one night, one of the detectives called us and said that he had, he was going to do a dope buy and he needed my husband to stand by at the house to make the arrest. And he needed me to pat down the female prior to going and making the dope buy. So we do the pat down just because we have to make sure she doesn't already have dope on her because then it's, it ruins, it ruins the buy and it's like a whole bunch of different, it's a whole nother mess. But um, I was doing the pat down on her and she's like, you're Ashley from 60 days in. And I'm like, yeah, I am. Did you watch it? And she's like, yeah, you were a little bitch. I'm an undercover cop from Mexico and I did better than you. And I'm like, Oh, you're a crackhead. Oh, okay. Oops. <laughs> it was just like, Oh my God. Hilarious. Uh, yeah. Well, but you know, <laughs> other you than that, people aren't, Oh, I just laughed because she, she had me in the beginning with the, you're a little bitch thing. And then when she told me she was an undercover cop from Mexico, I was like, oh, okay, I know. I know what this is. It's fine. It's fine. Um, Hilarious. Bless her heart. Yeah, so it was interesting. I've had people, um, I was working a traffic accident while the show was airing, and I was directing traffic, and somebody yelled out the window, we loved you on the show. And I was like, stop, don't watch it. Quit, look away. Um, <laughs> just little things like that. Um, it's mainly on Facebook. It's more on Facebook and Instagram that I talk to people about it. Have any inmates reached out to you on Facebook? I'm sure they. Oh know. yeah, the cat's out of the bag now. Oh yeah, so many of them, and like I've I've talked on the phone with Rita, um, my roommate that I had after her. Um, she's my friend on Facebook. I talk to her daily. Um, I mean, there's so many of them. Like even some of the girls I didn't talk to in there. Um, you know, we we went through something together, and at the end of the day, I never. You know, it wasn't my intention to narc on any of them. No. Um, and, and I never did, actually. I never really had anything to say about the inmates. It was it was always the guards. And when they figured out I was on the show, they didn't really care. They were like, okay, well, here's what's going on. And here's what we want you to tell them next time you go out for an interview. I was like, oh, okay, thanks. I, was, I mean, we stopped, we stopped trying to hide it towards the end because there was no point. I'm not going to... If I would have lied to them and it would have insulted their intelligence, if I would have confirmed it, it would have gotten me kicked off the show. So just not denying it and just brushing it off, like just that was the easiest way to survive in there, honestly. Like, what do you want me to do? It, it, it is what it is. They figured it out, but they want our help because the guards are awful or the guards were awful. Things have changed a lot. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like there comes a point where they have to just figure it out. Like it's, there's cameras in the jail. Like the first season we're doing a documentary on first timers. They even filmed something here in Sacramento where jailbirds on Netflix. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I've watched it. I love yeah, that. <laughs> that was a great show actually. Yes, it was. 
it was really entertaining and it's like 45 minutes from where I live. So it was very interesting to see that. I actually tried even getting contact with some people on that, but they actually ran interviews with the people who had been released that actually all went through Netflix publicity. So it was a little bit different as far as getting in contact with people. That's why I was so excited when I was able to contact you. Cause I thought you were going to be like, well, you need to talk to A&E and then A&E needs to approve the interview. I think they gave up. I think they gave up. Like, I mean, it's, it's when the pandemic happened, like it's just, everybody needs a little bit of joy in their lives. And I think they're allowing us to do this more so because I mean, it's the show has somehow managed to get really popular and, you know, they're just kind of letting us, I mean, I don't know, maybe this podcast will get taken down and you'll be really mad at me. We don't know. (laughs) We'll see. <laughs> I don't think anybody from A&E <laughs> is going to really be listening to the show. I haven't shut down my YouTube channel yet. So, so far, so good. Yeah, I'm, we're fine. I, I'm not too concerned about it. I'm small time compared to somebody else that they could go after. In any case, well, I want to say thank you for doing this interview and talking to me. I know it's late where you are. You put your child down to bed and yes. I'm sure you have a million other things to do. And uh, this has been a lot of fun for me. I'm I'm fanning out, to be honest, because I'm like... I'm this fanning is... out talking to you. Like oh, I already like... told you before, you better message Colin Mockery and tell him that I love him and <laughs> give him my number. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a tough interview to get. Well, Ashley, thank you. Uh, and if you haven't seen this, it's on A&E. If you have Hulu or any of the streaming services, go to 60 Days In. There's six seasons available. Who knows if we'll get another one because of the pandemic. And uh, I think this really makes for fun and, and exciting television, especially during a time in our country right now where everything is just completely jacked. And uh, it's an escape into another world that we might normally not get to peek into. And uh, thanks for your honesty and, and your vulnerability here. Ashley, thanks for joining me. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. That brings today's episode to an end. Thanks for choosing to stop by and listen. If you enjoyed the show, consider sharing it with a friend and hitting the subscribe button. It's absolutely free. The views and opinions of our guests do not necessarily reflect those of the host. Is it all over, Rock? I guess so. Until next time, cheers.